Democrats appear to declare war on the middle class. Monkeypox is now a national emergency. And a video of a woman building a shrine to her abortion has gone viral. There's one more thing. Oh, yeah. We're a video service now. I'm Zach, and this is Zach's Fact Shack. Hello and welcome back to Zach's Fact Check. You finally get to see my face. I don't know if it's a good thing, but that's what you're going to get today anyway. So, if you're wa- if you're listening to this on audio, that's totally fine. Everything's going to be the same normal setup that we've always had. I just wanted to see if we could make a audio podcast into a video podcast. Now, let me go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. I'm a Georgia fan. If you cannot tell from everything in my room, I am a Georgia fan. Just go ahead and let you see all the stuff that I have. National champions reigning. You know how it is, right? You you can't just ignore that. Everybody says, act like you've been there. I've never been there. This is the first time that Georgia has won in 41 years. I am not 41 years old. I am 29. I didn't know what it was like to win a national championship until now. So you'll have to forgive me while I enjoy it. Now, I won't waste time anymore. Let's get moving. I have a few things I want to cover today, and it's going to be good. Now, the first thing I wanted to cover is simply this. Monkeypox is now a national emergency, according to the federal government. Now, the last time we had a national emergency for a disease was COVID. And we took every step necessary, possible even, to eliminate the spread, right? It was two weeks to slow the spread. That's what we, that's what our, that's what we were told. That was the promise. That was the goal. We did it. It didn't work, but that's what we tried, right? We we didn't understand exactly how the virus spread. We weren't quite sure what was going on. So we attempted it. We attempted to fix the problem by any means necessary. Now we come to monkeypox, which is, if I understand correctly, is has 7,500 cases in the United States and not a single death has been reported from those cases. Here's the thing. If, for you to understand, if you, if you haven't been paying attention, the way that monkeypox appears to spread is through prolonged, close skin-to-skin contact. Now, they're not sure if it's solely a sexual disease or if it's just close interaction disease. We're not sure. Such a, so think about it this way, that HIV and AIDS is not sexually transmitted. It's not solely sexually transmitted, but it is a close contact disease, meaning that you have to get bodily fluids, skin-to-skin contact, things like that. Not even skin-to-skin. I think it has to be solely like bodily fluids, whether that's through sexual actions or through blood transfusion, um, things like that. That's how you would contract HIV and AIDS. With monkeypox, it seems as though 
it is sexually transmitted in part, but we're not sure if it's just sexually transmitted. What we do know is that almost all of the cases that we have in the United States, all of them, almost all of them have been a sexually transmitted encounter. And what I mean by that is that it is absolutely plaguing the gay community in America. And that if if you know anything about the gay community, um, the vast majority of it, that it, or at least a large portion of it, I'll say that, has a very promiscuous attitude towards sexual encounters. What that ends up being is large groups get together for the purpose of sexual encounters. Because of this, because of the large number of partners that are interacting with each other, it's very, very, very easy to spread communicable diseases, especially those that are sexually transmitted. And monkeypox seems to be one of those. And so it is ravaging the homosexual community, particularly the the gay community. And then what they're finding is that uh, female partners of a man who has slept with a man, they are also getting this disease because of that. But what we do know is that one way that would absolutely slow the spread for sure of this disease would be to call on the gay community to stop having orgies, stop having large sexual parties, right? To, to stop sleeping with so many partners. And yet the federal government refuses. And so this is from the Washington Post. This is an article that says, as monkeypox strikes gay men, officials debate warnings to limit partners. Thousands of gay men clad in leather, latex, and often much less partied along Folsom Street here last weekend during, this is from San Francisco, during the annual Kink and Fetish Festival. Even after the city had just declared the monkeypox outbreak striking its gay community a health emergency, one day after the World Health Organization urged men to sleep with fewer men to reduce transmission, see, the WHO, WHO, whatever you want to call it, they are saying that this would absolutely reduce transmission. San Francisco's public health officials made no attempt to rein in festivities or warn attendees to have less sex. As the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention weighs whether to recommend limiting sex partners, health officials in San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and other U.S. cities battling surges disproportionately sickening gay men are avoiding calls for sexual restraint, wary of further stigmatization of the same-sex community. Here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. We understand that this is being spread primarily in a single community. Why are we not telling that community that it is being spread through primarily a certain set of actions? Why are we not telling them to stop those actions to save people? Why is that not a thing? Why are we worried about stigmatizing people to do this? Why why are we up in arms and trying to scare the entire community, the entire country, 
but that the news media is trying to do everything they can to make this a terrifying experience for everybody. So why, why are we not, why are we not saying, Hey, you do what you have to do to save the, save the world. You make sure that you have, that you, you, you limit the number of partners you have. That seems like a very simple thing to ask of people, right? Don't sleep around, right? I think the best vaccine for monkeypox at this moment is simply a heterosexual monogamous marriage. Done. That's it. You will not get monkeypox. I, I give you a 99.9% chance that you will not ever contract monkeypox if that is the lifestyle you live. A heterosexual monogamous marriage, preferably creating children. You will not get monkeypox. I can almost guarantee it that you will not get monkeypox if that's the way that you live your life. Why are we not telling people that? You know, I talked about it, I think in the last episode, there's a difference between a nice person and a kind person. A kind person will tell you what you need to hear, no matter what it costs them. A nice person will tell you what it what you want to hear, no matter what it costs you. I think right now, if you cared, truly cared about the gay community, you would do everything in your power to say, hey, look, this is absolutely a situation that is attacking you primarily, your community. So why don't we change how your community is interacting with the world? Let's just stop that and move on from there. Like just, just hold off. Don't, don't have sex with everybody that you meet. Just wait. Maybe get to know them first. See if they're sick. See if they have problems, right? Maybe we should do that. Maybe that's what we should do. Let's, let's stop the hookup culture, heterosexual or homosexual. I don't, both of them, stop it. Why don't we do that and see maybe, just maybe, that will fix the problem and that will slow the spread. I think it's a really good chance. I think we should definitely look at it and, and see if we can, if we can do that or not. Now, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much. So we're going to move on to the next topic, but I, I had to cover I, I I keep seeing all these people saying, Oh, monkeypox. It's going to, everybody's going to have monkeypox. It's going to be awful. We're going to have all these disease. Like, look, don't sleep with a bunch of guys who slept, who have slept with a bunch of guys and your chances are very low of ever contracting the disease. It's that simple. It's that easy. Just don't worry about it and you'll be fine. The next thing I wanted to talk about is the fact that a new bill has just passed Congress, both the Senate and the house voted for it. It looked, and it's going to be, it's moving on to uh, Biden to be, signed for into law and it's quite a doozy of insanity if you ask me so we know right now that we are in an, a recession economy right the the economy is receding it is slowing its growth it has contracted actually it means it's shrinking then you have high inflation i mean inflation we haven't seen since the 70s we have huge amounts of inflation and so now, naturally, what we're going to do is add 
fuel to that fire. We're going to spend even more money, dump that into the economy, and then we're going to tax everyone, no matter how little money you make, we're adding taxes to everyone now because of this bill. Now, they argue, the Democrats argue that this bill does not raise taxes. It's not a thing that we are absolutely making it all up and we're lying. It's all this stuff. But let me read to you from Bloomberg from August 2nd. So this is a few days ago, six days ago now. And I do have more updates later on. I have, I have more articles I want to cover, but let's start here. So Bloomberg says, a partisan messaging battle has erupted over an official U.S. analysis suggesting it won't be just the wealthy who pay higher taxes under the Democrats' latest economic agenda, raising risk for the party in the November elections. The Joint Committee on Taxation, an official congressional scorekeeper, found that some middle- and low-income households could pay $16.7 billion in additional taxes next year as a result of the draft bill negotiated by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Joe Manchin. Remember, this is from several days ago. The bill has now passed. That would seem to violate President Joe Biden's consistent promises to not increase taxes on anyone making under $400,000. And it makes for an awkward sales jobs for Democrats touting the benefits of a package that spans climate and energy investments to healthcare provisions. Now, that, that's the other thing. that This bill is wide and varied and doesn't make a whole lot of sense on its own. It just, it's, it's basically a Democrat's wet dream of spending. It's, it's everything on the Green New Deal, uh, expanding Obamacare. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous the amount of stuff that's in here And what it's going to do to our economy is horrendous. So let me read to you from the Epic Times, Epoch Times, however you say it. Let me read to you from what they say. Preston Brasher, a senior tax policy analyst at the right-leaning Heritage Foundation, told the Epic Times in an interview that despite Democrats' insistent claims that the Inflation Reduction Act will not raise taxes on people making less than $400,000 a year, collateral effects from the bill will cause workers and small businesses alike to pay more. The bill hammered out as a compromise between the uh, moderate Joe Manchin and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer serves to fulfill a series of broad Democrat aspirations, increasing federal revenue by closing so-called tax loopholes, climate change policies, expansion of the Affordable Care Act, uh, commonly known as Obamacare, and reducing prescription drug prices. The act, according to its supporters, will also help to slow the growth of the ballooning U.S. national debt by decreasing the deficit. Now, here's the thing. They're going to spend $433 billion, billion new dollars that they're going to decrease the deficit. Now, there's only one way to do that, and that's to raise taxes. So the amount of taxes coming in is at one level. They're going to now spend more money, so you have to raise the taxes to match that. So that's what they're going to do. Though it authorizes around $433 billion in new spending, Democrats' internal estimates suggest that the bill will bring in around $725 
billion in new revenue to the federal government, thus reducing the federal deficit and slowing the growth of national debt. Specifically, Democrats estimate that the bill will reduce the deficit by around $292 billion annually. Importantly, Brashers noted that the bill will not directly increase taxes on individuals at any income level. They're not actually rate, they're not changing the rates of anybody's income tax. They're not, they're not going from 15% to 16% or anything like that. They're not changing anybody's income tax brackets specifically. But what they are doing is they're going to change the the bill will modify uh, corporate taxes, setting a mandatory minimum rate of 15% on corporations making more than $1 billion annually. Quote, there's nothing in here specifically targeting income levels, uh, Brasher said. They're not targeting people making $400,000 or more. Neither, Brasher said, are they targeting businesses necessarily. A brand can't pay a tax. Technically, legally, the corporations are the ones paying taxes, but ultimately, that has to be paid by people, one way or the other. It's not like Jeff Bezos, if you tax Amazon, that that this is coming out of Jeff Bezos' pocket. It's coming out of everyone's pocket that's involved in the operation, whether whether you're a worker, if you buy the products, if you have any stock in the companies, if you have a 401k. These are going to be taxes that are just kind of economy-wide. So here, let's, let's look, think about this again. So this is what's happening right now. The taxes are going to go up on corporations. They're going to increase how much money the taxes the, the corporations have to pay. But here's the thing. Corporations don't pay taxes. They never have. They never will. Everybody said, it's so unfair that Disney doesn't pay one cent in taxes. Well, they've never paid one cent in taxes, ever. Not once. And yet what they do have is a ability to raise their prices on everyone else to pay and cover that tax difference. That's what they have. So my question to you is, do you wish to have your taxes go up by paying more money everywhere? We already have inflation going through the roof. And now we're going to make it where corporations are saying, okay, well, I got to pay more taxes. So I'm just going to add more taxes to this. I'm just going to jump and go up. That's what I'm going to do. So now we're going to raise the price even more. Then we have to pay the uh, inflation rate plus the tax rate, which is even higher. Now, let's look at another way. Let's say that they don't raise prices. Well, how do they pay you? If you're the worker at this business, how do they pay you and pay the taxes? They're not going to lose their profits. That's not going to happen. They're going to try to figure out how to make money the same way as they did. And that means that they're going to hire less people. They're going to worry about less. They don't want as many people working. They're not going to give raises to people they do have. They're going to make sure that they are covered officially by the, if they're going to have to pay taxes, they're not the ones that are going to do it. They're going to make sure that somebody else has to pay it for them. That's what what it is. What's going to happen That's where we're at with this. Now, one other thing that was added into this bill that I personally just, I I can't stand that they did this. It makes me really, really mad. They're going to spend $80 billion 
to expand the IRS by 87,000 people. This will make the IRS, let's see, this is, the IRS will now be larger than the Pentagon, State Department, FBI, and Border Patrol combined. Now, here's the thing. If you are a low-income household, you are four times more likely than every other income bracket to be audited. And the reason is, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. We don't have lawyers. It's expensive to try to hire anybody to do our taxes. We don't really keep papers. We don't have all of this stuff. So we're easy targets for auditing because the government just wants more money. And if they can get more money out of you, they're going to do it. So an audit is a great way to get more money out of you. Then why wouldn't they do that? You don't have the money to pay a lawyer to fix it. You don't have the money to worry about what is uh, what the IRS is going to do, right? You're just trying to make ends meet. You're trying to get food on the table. You don't care. So what they've essentially done is they're going to add 87,000 new IRS agents to the IRS specifically to increase audits. Now, the, Demo- or the Republicans said, okay, well, if you're going to do that, fine. We don't like that, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you an amendment that says you will not be able to use any of these funds or the people that are hired by them to audit anyone below $400,000 a year in income. All of the Democrats voted no on that. All of them. You cannot sit here and tell me that the Democrats are worried about the working class, that they're worried about uh, what's going on and how they need to do better for the working class whenever a huge opportunity to help that and would make no change to any of their other plans, they strike that down. So let me ask you, if they don't want to audit low-income people, why did they not go with this amendment that would ban that ability just for this, this money, not for the actual IRS in total, just for the people who are hired with this money. And this money cannot be used to fund that audit or anything like that. It, it's, this has to be just for $400,000 uh, annual income and above. That's it. The rest of the IRS can still do whatever they want. They can still harass whoever they want. Why would you not do that? then? Why would you make it where, why would you vote no on a very simple plan that doesn't hurt anything that you're wanting to do unless you're actually are wanting to do this, to, to tax the lower income, the lower, uh, lower income families and homes and households? Why, why is that? Because that's what the Democrats really want. They desperately need control of our economy. They desperately need all of us to just sit down and shut up and let it be. That's what they need. This right now is it's probably one of the worst bills that they've passed in a long time. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that immediately tomorrow everybody's going to be audited. I'm not saying that. 
What I am saying is that there is going to be a large increase in people getting audited because of this. What else are the IRS agents going to do? I'm sorry, they're not being hired to make sure you get your uh, tax refund back quicker. That's not what's going to happen with this. It never is. That's not what's going to happen because that doesn't help the government. That doesn't give the government more power and more money. So here's what we know. We know that the IRS audits low-income people four times more often than anyone else. We know that they're now going to add 87,000 people specifically to increase the ability to audit. That means that the people that are in low income, which are already four times more likely to be audited, will be audited more. That's what's going to happen. We also know that if you are conservative, if you have any kind of donations to ministries or churches or things like that, if you work for ministries, if you work for churches, if you operate nonprofits, things like that, you are at the top of their list for auditing. And it's only going to get worse from here. It's not going to get any better. This is going to be used like everything else in the Biden administration. It's going to be used to, it's going to be, it's going to weaponize the IRS even further than it already is. That's what this is. This is the entire thing is to help push the Democrats' agenda politically, electorally, economically, period. Everything that the Democrats do is to push their agenda even further. No matter how good, bad, or ugly this agenda is, that's what they're going to do. Now, I have one more video or one more story that I want to show you. So this might end up being a shorter episode. But what I know of this video that I've watched is it's depressing. It is absolutely disturbing. And I don't really know what to say about it, but I wanted you to hear this and see this and understand that this is absolutely, I'm sorry. This is absolutely where we're going. We're moving to this really quickly, and it's all based off of the idea of me, myself, and I are the most important people in my life. That's, that's the philosophy of our culture. It's the philosophy of our country that everything I do has to serve me and me alone. No one else cares. It's just me. That's what we, that's what we understand. That's what we know is the case in our society. So now that I've accidentally played it, I want you to see this video. And I want, if, for those listening to audio, you'll be able to hear and understand exactly what's going on. So let's, let's watch and pay attention to what, what this lady is saying. Building an altar for your abortion can be a really cathartic procedure, can be a really cathartic process because it just creates a space for your, your sacred container where you can return to whenever you want to meditate, whenever you want to think deeply or contemplate any aspect of your abortion. It's a really beautiful way to just give reference to the experience and hold the experience in a really sacred way. Really just clean the space. Clean myself. 
I like to always have a candle going on my altar. I'm also going to be adding an Empress tarot card today, and she really just symbolizes feminine fertility and feminine energy. I also really like to add the abortion pills themselves to the altar to really bless the pills that we're going to be taking into our bodies during this process. And before having your abortion, I would even just recommend giving them a nice sage or a nice Palo Santo or with incense or another smoke to really cleanse the energy and really bless them and really put your intention for healing into the pills before you take them. And place the container of which you plan to put the, the products of conception or the fetal remains within to catch that after you've passed it and save it for later when we, when we find a way to, to bury or otherwise, um, to where we find a way to properly dispose of the fetal remains in a way that gives reverence. And yeah. You can't tell me that this is not child sacrifice. Now, I know that she's not everyone. Most people who have an abortion or fighting for abortions absolutely think totally different, right? They don't look at this. That's, that's not what their goal is. That's, a, that's not what they're wanting to do. What we know, though, is this. The, the pro-life movement has been saying this for decades, that abortion is simply child sacrifice on the altar of convenience, on the altar of self. That no one but myself is, is that important. Everything about what we think, say, do is... all about me and my best and what I want. We don't take into account, in, in, into account anyone else, their lives, their desires, their needs, what's best for them. We as a society and a culture have determined that my happiness is more important than anything else. Even if my happiness is not my best, is not for my best. That doesn't matter. The desires that we have have to be fulfilled. We see this with homosexual marriage, with premarital sex. All of these things are the desires of our flesh being given their head and being let, let, letting them run uncontrolled Wherever, whenever, however, that's what this is. This is simply a more honest take on that, in my opinion. It's the understanding of what's truly going on. It's, it's the worship of self. Everything she had there, the, the sage, the incense, the smoke, the bells, all of it is a new age understanding. It's a new age religion and spirituality. And all of it has to do with self. 
How do I connect myself with this energy? How do I make everything better for myself? That's what we're looking at in this video that you just watched, that you just listened to. Everything she's doing is for herself, for her quote-unquote benefit. That's what it is. Guys, if we don't understand quickly and change our actions quickly, we're going to be in big trouble. We as a culture need to come to grips and understand that the insatiable me first, the McDonald's view of life where I have to have it now, I have to have what I want now, when I want it, I want what I want when I want it, and what I want is now. Like, we have to do this. We have to change our understanding of reality and come to grips with the fact that you are not as important as you think you are. That you are not as valuable as you think you are. Humility would go a long way in all of our lives, especially in my life. I'm not sitting here preaching to anybody. I understand my own faults, my own pride, my own self-satisfaction. I understand that. But here's the thing. This is what I'm trying to tell people. Unless we as a people change, unless we as a people come to understand that there is something more important than us and our own desires, that there is a right and a wrong, that there is a better way, until we come to that understanding, none of this, none of these problems we've covered today, none of these issues are going to get any better. I know that the Democrats... I know that the Democratic Party, I do not agree with most of what they do. But I understand that most of the people who are on the left simply want better. They think what we have is bad and they want better. I think that they're misguided on a lot of things, but that's an opinion, right? I understand that. What I know is that if you truly want what's better, You have to admit that not every person's opinion, not every person's feelings, not every person's desires are equal or good. Until you do that, you're not going to get to better. Until you come to understand, until you come to realize that There's a good and a bad, a right and a wrong. You're not going to find better. Because that's like, that's, like trying to, that's like trying to read a map or follow directions without having any idea which direction you need to go first. You don't have a compass to tell you where true north is. You don't have anything. You're just like, oh, I'm confused. Until you come to understand what reality is, that there is a good, a bad, a right, and a wrong, 
and that not all of your desires are good. Not all of your desires should ever come out. That you need self-control. You need self-restraint. Until we as a society come to understand that, we're not going to get any better. Now, I told you this episode might be a bit, little bit longer. It's right in line with every other episode I do because I apparently find, find ways to just run my mouth. I don't know. Apparently, I'm good at it. Y'all keep listening. So hopefully, you'll start watching. We'll see what happens. But for now, I want to say thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure that you like and subscribe. Share the podcast. Share the YouTube video. And let's make sure that everyone has a chance to listen and to watch this episode and all the future episodes as we move forward. I'm Zach. This is Zach's Fact Shack. And until next time, we'll see you later.